I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown. Parliament might be on recess, but we aren't. We're still here counting down the days until we leave the EU. So that's 197 days if we leave on October the 31st or 35 days if we leave on May 22nd. So a few options. Joining us this week is our news editor for express.co.uk, Thomas Hunt. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. And on the phone is our Brussels correspondent, Joe Barnes. Hello. Hello. Uh, Chaps, welcome. Without further ado, let's get on with it. Okay, so last time we were all together, we were very excited about the delay, the extension, the flex extension. And now a week on, we know that we've got until the 31st of October, which is just so poetic, a perfect date uh, for us to figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to leave. So just briefly, chaps, would you summarise the fallout from uh, from last week and kind of where it's left us? And then it'd be really good to kind of delve and dive rather into the EU elections, which is really the sort of sexy stuff that's going on at the moment. Thomas? I, I actually think I was surprised that there wasn't more of a backlash regarding the delay. I right. actually felt... And I, a part of me is thinking, are they just a bit distracted by the EU elections and secretly are people like Farage and the new party actually looking forward to them mm. and thinking, oh, we're not going to kick up too much of a storm because this helps our helps the whole campaign the whole and their, project, their whole yeah, aim. Tell them again. But equally, I think... And I think maybe it's just the case that it was expected... Yeah. I think everyone had just resigned themselves to the fact that we are going to continue this process. So it was longer than than the extension that Theresa May had wanted, but it was maybe shorter than the year that had kind of been kicked around. So yes. it, was a, it was a vague were, midpoint. There was the, I think it was the room versus Macron, and yeah. they went for a EU compromise in the middle. Uh, which, but with the, I mean, we surely know that it's very likely we get to that point again and they say, oh, let's have another summit. Yeah, well, I, well, exactly. But then I, because you would have seen the comments from Heiko Mass yesterday telling us that we can't just keep expecting these extensions <laughs> to keep coming. But I feel like maybe we, maybe we can, I, I think, don't know. I, I think the threats are a little empty at this point because they don't want no deal. We don't, don't want, obviously, no. the government want no deal. And it, it's, it's just going to just continue until... Uh, until we all get too tired to do this podcast, Joe, what what was the what was it like over there in Brussels when it was all ex- when Halloween was was decided? It, it wasn't quite the horror show that we expected. Excellent, great Halloween gag there. What more do you want? Um, so as, as as Tom was saying, it was the room versus Macron. He was the one on his own, cast out. While you had other leaders, Mark Rutte, uh, Donald Tusk, the European Council uh, chairman, president. He, they were pushing for a year-long extension, which could have seen a stay until March 2020. But Macron wanted a lot shorter because the EU elections are kind of on the horizon. And that is what he is looking forward to. And he doesn't want any British participation in that vote. But as Tom said, the room hit a nice compromise. And we have got the 31st of October date sorted. Obviously, key uh, dates to think of as well. The 1st of June, so if we don't hold the European elections by the 23rd of May, we'll be out on the 1st of June. Right. We, ha- we have the first three weeks of May to ratify the deal, which means then we can leave 
the EU on the 1st of June as well without holding elections. So there's, there's things to consider. But the main fallout was that Britain will likely be heading towards the European elections and we are fielding our candidates now, which kicks us on quite nicely to our next debate. Yeah. Okay. So, yep, the EU elections. Did you know 3,000 people have have signed up to become Change UK MEPs or candidates? It's incredible. Isn't that Um, insane? (laughs) And it it just shows, I I, I must admit, I don't know, are they they charging for this privilege? I I feel like we should, we always say this, that we've missed a trick by not being MEPs. It would have been a nice, it would have been a nice gig. It's a tremendous, it's a tremendous job. You earn about £90,000 a year. You get £4,000 a month paid in expenses which you don't have to be accountable for and then you get also your housing and your travel paid for as well on top what's there not to love about that yeah. much money yeah sign us up um okay so 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 it's not 100 percent certain that we're going to be in them but I, I think we probably all know that we we are going to be fielding candidates like you say and and um having a, a lovely festival of democracy when are the elections may the 23rd, may the 23rd Thursday, right so that would be a great festival of democracy toward the end of next month um which we're all very excited about um Bad news for the Tories, though, right? Because aren't they just going to see everyone defect to either the changey, changey Hopi, change UKers, or Nigel Farage's mega Brexit well, party? No, but there's some, there's some really interesting um, polling brought out, like private polling done by the European Parliament. And Nigel Farage's party aren't going to come out on top. But it's going to be, they are predicting Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party are going to return 28 seats out of the 73 entitled to British MEPs. And the Conservatives are only going to have 17. So that's, that's quite a hammer blow. Yeah. Um, and, and, and quite a mix, a mixed reception. Because are Labour going to field pro-European candidates? Are they going to be pro-Brexit candidates? So this, this is an interesting question. But it's a real shift up from UKIP or the Eurosceptic forces being a dominant force in the British delegation of the European Parliament. Oh, well, being over here, I mean, Nigel Farage has been everywhere for the last six days. I mean, I can't can't be on Twitter, at least, without seeing him. I thought you'd feel like it was just him. Thomas, what do you think? Well, I, I was actually looking more at... So when the polling has come out, I mean, you get different numbers from different places. But the interesting bit is they're based on a, a revised total of ter- voter turnout in the UK. So at the moment, I, th- I think the latest... Was it that they they think the turnout will be... a sort of high 30s yeah yeah now i did actually look up so previous so 2014 in the mm-hmm. entire eu so everyone eligible to vote in those elections the voter turnout was 42.6 percent across across the board and then actually if you break down our our turnout has not at any point been uh so so in 1979 we were 32.3 percent mm-hmm in 2004, we peaked at 38.5%. And in 2014, we were 356 Okay. And you look at it and think, that's. I, I actually would go the other way. And I think purely that the, we have been speaking in all sorts of, about nothing but Brexit and the mm. EU and the EU's impacts and should we or shouldn't we. And I, th- I think people will be interested. And I think people will, A, know that they're going on and B, even though they'll go maybe and spoil a ballot or they'll... I think there will be genuine interest and genuine turnout. Yeah. And obviously not... That would benefit the more mainstream parties or you think that would see people kind of go to the fringe... We'll call Change UK a fringe party. For the no, I think that would... The, the fringe 
that would benefit the fringe part. Okay. Because I think the polling at the moment is based on the sort of 38% yeah. coming and doing what they normally do for the Tories and the mm-hmm. Labour Party. Whereas you, I, I think you could possibly have another 20%... Who, of hardcore Remainers uh, well, or mega leavers, yeah, who, who are engaged that, now, yeah, and think yeah. actually, why shouldn't I go and well, yeah, like, make a decision one way or the other? Um, but yeah, so for and the I first think... time in a really long time, they're actually quite interesting and quite sexy and quite significant for us because I don't think we've ever really paid EU elections a whole Not... amount of attention. No, over here, I think we? even if we we went around this newsroom and asked people who's actually ever voted in a EU yeah. election I'm, I'm or, any sure. <laughs> or any other newsroom or any newsroom but yeah and I think it's something that hasn't I've not seen it mentioned much but I I think we are underestimating the, the possibility yeah. of turnout Turn I, don't, I don't know what you think Joe um, I, I think we're missing one key point and it will be the the remain side the ultra remainers and it will be the ultra leavers who are interested in this vote but let's be honest, the middle, so Jackie, Jackie and Jeff from Bristol, who have voted once in the last 40 years, and that was during the Brexit referendum, and have seen their vote for Brexit absolutely cast aside, they've lost faith in democracy. So what makes them want to vote in, A, the local elections, and then B, the European elections in May? There's just no incentive for anyone to go to the polls, because they've had what they voted for previously thrown back in their face. But if if we're using Jackie and Jeff from Bristol, mm. the uh, if, if they if they were convinced, well, it's actually it's actually Brenda from Bristol, isn't it? Sorry, Sorry. Brenda. Yeah, she's just over the whole thing. <laughs> she, hers she's was more general elections. As, yeah, she's she not as engaged as Jeff and Jill or these people. Um, but it, the the people that you're talking about who were excited and went out to vote, surely they are the same people who Farage can convince or would be unconvinced the other way that would would think actually this is worth my time again and we need to sort of double down on the message and send it mm. send it again and that, and that and that and that and that's the exact the exact pitch he's been making over the last uh, few days or about a week or so now is that you have been betrayed democracy has failed fallen uh, failed you sorry and the mainstream political parties have let you down so mm. let's reach out to a new form of politics which is the Brexit Party, as he pitches it. Yeah. My uh, my only other thing is a quick question, actually. Can you guess the country with the, the the best turnout historically in EU elections? I would say probably Luxembourg because they're a tiny country. It's Belgium, but actually. I, I, Belgium. So there you go, I, 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 I am not I am not registered to vote in Belgium, unfortunately. So I will be having to come back. Oh, you'll come back. Though, won't you? My vote in the UK. What's talk about UKIP? What's what's happening to them? Are they kind of are they very much yesterday's news? Do we see any opportunity for them to have a resurgence this time around? I would, I, I would very much consider them done and dusted with Gerard Batten as their leader. Um, so he, he gave quite a telling interview to Andrew Marr at the weekend, and he was speaking about having um, bringing in kind of right wing conservative social media influences, but some of them have quite a checkered past, and um, three female UKIP MEPs quit on a Monday um, because of comments made by people that Gerald Batten are putting uh, uh, putting forward as candidates. And so Nigel Farage spelled it out. He said, look, I can't be associated with with Gerald Batten and his UKIP while we've got Tommy Robinson. And I think he's encouraging a slightly strange kind of movement to come forward, which aren't probably traditionally the ones who are going to actually vote in their masses. And they're quite a 
quite a small minority in the UK where the Brexit party is actually aimed at being a all-encompassing political party and political movement. And just back to the Tories, though, so obviously sort of you're sort of forecasting, Joe, a sort of a success. Well, your private polling is suggesting that it'll be quite good news for Labour, despite none of us knowing what they'll what their kind of what their position will be on this. But the Tories, are they going to suffer at the ballot box because of Theresa May's deal, because of Theresa May? Like, no one's forecasting this is going to be good news. They themselves kind of know this is going to be a bit of a what's the phrase for something awful wipeout total wipeout um but I, but what what do you think will be the what's the reason that this is such bad news for them what can they do to, what could they do to stem the tide of misery well you you're you're looking there's um stories of uh conservative chairmen from different regional associations rebelling and trying to get Theresa May out of a job ahead of the local elections and it'll be the same coming forward for the european elections because she has promised 168 times that Britain would leave on March the 29th, but we find ourselves potentially locked in the EU until October the 31st. How is how how is a Conservative, apart from the most pro-European candidates, going to actually be able to campaign to become an MEP when they don't believe that Britain should have MEPs? So is, is Theresa May going to go out and knock on doors in Maidenhead and go, Hi, sorry, I'd really appreciate your vote right now uh, for the Conservative Party. I know we didn't take you out of the European Union on time, but we'd really appreciate the support. Can I count on your support? I'm sure the answer would probably be, um, I'm not sure we trust you at the moment, Theresa. (laughs) Even the good people of Maidenhead, yeah, I'd be inclined to agree. But it'll be interesting to see, so in the last election, there were certain Labour MPs who campaigned saying that a vote for them was not a vote for Corbyn that you were voting for them as a constituency MP and the things they've done. Mm. And leaflets were handed around with that message. And I think there are Tory campaigners at the moment doing a similar saying. Yeah, love me, not my leader kind of thing. I am campaigning to get us out of the European Union. We need your vote because... And it's just, it goes to show again, I think, the state of... We are through the looking glass to quote Paul Baldwin, who's sadly absent this week. Um, okay. Yes. This is. This is. These are. This. These are going to be indicative and very interesting times for us, aren't they? Joe, what else is happening in Brussels? What, everyone's asleep here. Um, again, we're we're on a Brexit break, um, as John Claude Juncker yeah. <laughs> um, declared yesterday, which isn't isn't great for the news. But what it does give it, it gives us a focus to look at the European elections and say. Yesterday we covered uh, Giva Hofstadt saying Nigel Farage is the only person that can save the European Union now. Yeah, so we had the pl- we had the plenary yesterday, right? Exactly, and so he, his theory was, and he is very much on the side of Emmanuel Macron, the French president in this case, is that Britain and an ever kind of lasting Brexit process will actually poison the European Union. So he wants he wants us gone with, and he was saying if. Nigel Farage can guide the Brexit party to a European election victory with Labour and the Conservatives wiped out. We will probably leave the European Union quicker and let them get on with their business, which is the Emmanuel Macron and now Giva Hofstadt school of thought. But Donald Tusk played a slightly different character. He was saying, oh, look, we should give Britain time to we should give them time and space to make a, another political judgment which what he's alluding to is a second referendum. He's he or just revoking state, Article 50, of course. And he, remind uh, exactly. us, he reminded us we could do that yesterday as well, I think. Exactly. Um, yes, he did. Um, Jean-Claude Juncker did the same, whereas Jean-Claude Juncker uh, is a bit, a bit more in the middle. 
where we've got Emmanuel Macron and Giva Hofstadt want us gone. Donald Tusk wants to stay. Jean-Claude Juncker just wants certainty. And he's probably not exactly pleased that on October the 31st, if we leave without a deal, that will be the defining moment of his presidency of the European Commission, because that is the very day that he leaves office after five years in charge of the, of the oh. block. Gosh, so, even so, more again, significance. Go, oh, Lord. So going, going, going back to... Think of the Halloween lastly. costumes, Joe. Well, I'm, I'm going as John claude Juncker. <laughs> I'm going to go as a sexy Article 50. That's what you have to do when you're a girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm Halloween. Not, not, sure how, not sure how that works out. But, no. just, uh, <laughs> uh, no, but So going back to the summit last week, it was quite interesting that the date they came up with was the 31st of October because it stopped Britain participating in the selection process for the next commission. So that was how they managed to win Emmanuel Macron over after seven hours of debate. Right. Ah, okay. So we can't have Farage as the next. Oh, what a shame. Uh, okay. No, so poor, poor Nigel will um, will not be commission president. Back to back to kind of Brexit. We're not expecting any um, EU twenty seven level meetings until at least April the twenty sixth, which will be a working group of the twenty seven remaining countries, and they'll. What were they going to discuss? It's all down to what happens in the cross-party talks. And from my understanding, I've, I've had a chat with a few Conservative sources, a few Labour sources, and I don't think they're going particularly well from what well, they're she's here. on holiday in Wales, and he's camp- he's on that canoe, isn't he? Have you seen those, love, those great pictures of him he, he, in, on a beached a, canoe? He, we know so, what happens was, on walking spot- holidays. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was spotted in a canoe. He was in Liverpool uh, yesterday yeah. um, announcing that he wants to sack off sats for school kids. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've, so I feel like they're not, I don't feel like the cross-party talks are happening in earnest at the moment. No, they're happening between the kind of official level um, amongst kind of uh, cabinet ministers and their aides and then shadow cabinet ministers and their aides. So um, we won't get any political level talks until after the 23rd of April. Joe, they had uh, Sir William Hague's article yesterday where he pretty much said that he fears Labour are acting behind the scenes to just sabotage the Tory Brexit plans and that actually they're just tying Theresa May up in conversations so she can't focus on trying to win other people over and at the last minute they'll say, sorry, we've not, we've not managed to reach an agreement. No, that, that, that's, that's exactly the case though. Why, why, why is Jeremy Corbyn in his current state when he's right on the tails of a minority government with no majority and their own party voting in. The only thing he's going to put his eye on is a general election. And that's, I guess, the downfall, that we do probably need that government and national unity to come together to sort Brexit for us and for our voters. But realistically, even now the Conservative Party are absolutely furious with Theresa May, as we were saying the other week, for even talking to Jeremy Corbyn. So it's, it's a real lose-lose situation all around. So I presume the only way out of it, and I was speaking to a few people in Brussels, a few um, diplomats, and they think the only way is a general election to get us out of this mess. Well, maybe we'll all get a taste for elections after. We've got local elections, we have the EU elections. You know, maybe we'll all get really up for the for going back to the ballot box. It's been a while since we've been there. It has. It's, it's vote after vote after vote. And um, it's, it's, I guess, quite shocking that a single vote has brought us to our knees democratically, and we are now involved in all these votes and they're all controversial moments which could tip either Labour or the Conservatives over the edge. Thomas, any final thoughts? Dave, I, the, 
does the referendum has the referendum caused it or was was this before was this coming all along where that we had the hints with the two party system so mm. we're saying that the reason people aren't really a fan of another general election is because they don't see it as representative of their views if they don't have a vote and we could have Farage and the new Brexit party getting similar numbers to UKIP did a few years ago and still not managing to get a single MP yeah which is staggering isn't it which uh, which just makes people turn around and say why like what is the point and maybe despite all the chaos that has ensued since the referendum say let's let's have more referendums or Referenda, referenda, as, as, as Alessandra yeah. would. Uh, yeah, your team are very particular on <laughs> the, and actually that we should, we should turn around and this should be more of a policy. My, uh, my uncle actually believes we should have, <laughs> we should have a daily app that you can vote on all sorts of things. He, he's, oh he's really goodness. got, he's really got a taste for it since the, oh the referendum. You know what? Black Mirror stuff. He was. <laughs> Um, oh, okay, fine. Inter- oh, so was this all, this has all just been foreboded? This was all before before Brexit. Um, Joe, any final thoughts from you before we sign off? Um, no, it's, it's tremendous. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll convene next week during another another uh, week of uh, Brexit break from Brussels. And um, I guess all eyes on June and the next European Council when um, Emmanuel Macron's so-called review will happen. All eyes on Macron. He's very busy at the moment, though, isn't oh. he? That's all very sad, isn't it? Yeah, he's uh, he's got he's got other other things to sort out at the moment. Poor poor chap. Joe, did the MEPs? How did the funds go yesterday? I am currently chasing the figure in the box, but the the number in the box should be about two hundred and fifty thousand euros, because each MEP is given three hundred and twenty euros a day for turning up to work, and if every one of the seven hundred and fifty one MEPs donated their subsistence payment, that's how much. They would have earned for the Notre Dame rebuild, um, but I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing from my inquiries that not a lot of MEPs actually donated, and all of their speeches being very, oh, it's a great shame for the European Union that Notre Dame's because it's a true European beauty, um, rather than being a French monument and church and cathedral, um, is probably not the win-win for the European project that they wanted. Yeah, sobering um final thing uh to our listeners that maybe haven't already voted we have been nominated for the listeners choice award in the british podcast awards please vote for us on their website it would be wonderful to seize that trophy from some of our um from some of our competitors um so please give us a vote and do join us next week where we will be um yeah counting down to god knows when thank you very much bye chaps ciao thank you Thank you for listening to Brexit The Final Countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review.